Do you enjoy writing your own stories and designing your own campaigns? Maybe you just like exploring your character's background and world building. Do you want to develop your writing skills, but can't afford the time or money for a creative writing college program? Then the Adventure Writing Academy is just what you need. AWA is an online Skype-based school co-developed by Fantasy Flight Games writer Keith Ryan Cappell. A creative writing program that makes RPG writing a point of emphasis. In addition to a nerd-friendly curriculum, classes are joined by a rotating cast of guest students, each one a working professional in the field, there to help provide the guidance students receive. Last year, AWA featured familiar FFG names like Katrina Ostrander, Tim Cox, and Jason Marker, and RPG industry regulars like Ray Valise and Eric Cagle. And the final class session is a four-hour lecture on the business of RPG writing, game theory, and design by the creator of the narrative dice system himself, industry superstar, Jay Little. Improve your writing, collaborate, make connections, learn and grow in a friendly atmosphere of fellow nerds. Interested? Learn more and enroll today at www.adventurewritingacademy.com. Listening to the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and the generous donations of Jared Williams, Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, Sean Kumar, Darren Hampton, Andy Bethel, B. Witzel, and Balaam's Blasters. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here. And for those tuning in for the very first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And uh, we are back to form tonight with everybody in the hizzy. That's what the kids say for house, (laughs) apparently. Um, And I am joined by my uh, friends, colleagues, and uh, fellow co-hosts, uh, GM Phil and GM Dave, gentlemen, hello. How are you, sir? Okay. <laughs> hello, David. Uh, hola, 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 Senor David. Hola. Um, and we have another special guest host that is joining us on the show tonight, and we are very proud to welcome him, Mr. Chris Hunt, sir. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, guys. Good to have you. Very good to have you. Um, obviously, you uh, were one of the uh, several who pledged uh, with our last uh, Gamer Nation Gone Kickstarter to uh, be a host uh, for a special episode. And for 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 Bean's sake, uh, your travel schedule has made that a uh, a, a a lengthy effort. 
Yeah, could never get that uh, ironed out until now. So here we are. So here we are. And we got an exciting show topic to discuss, but. Oh, I'm really glad to be back on the airwaves, guys. It's it's been too long, and and um, I'm I'm and for all of you listeners too, I'm 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 sorry. I mean, my my personal life has been the cause of our our standard episode hiatus for 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 many many weeks now, um, and uh, um, I don't I don't mind talking about it, but I, my uh, my wife's mother passed away um, uh, in July after being with us for a few weeks um, for in home hospice care. Um, she, uh, lost her battle with, uh, terminal cancer. Um, and it's been a, it's been a rough time. And I can honestly tell you all, uh, that doing this tonight is, I- I've been looking forward to this probably more than anything for the last six weeks. <laughs> so. Glad to be doing it, man. Thank you guys. Um. We're here, bro. Uh, it's, uh. It's good times, but we had a, uh, we, we, th- thanks to, um, the fine folks at, at Eberron Renewed, um, and the Geek Pantheon, we had a series of live plays, uh, that I was able to get edited and, and post up regularly, um, in kind of this lull and, um, greatly appreciative of that. And we got some wonderful feedback on that live play, uh, series. Uh, so, uh, very cool. Um, so that's, that's really good. Um, but yeah, um, I'm excited. Uh, what have you guys been up to? <laughs> oh, Moving you know, things and stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're, we're, are we having a why butt? Just like I uh, remember the old uh, Brew City Gamers. What have you been up to? Oh, hey, you know what? We, it's been so long. Why don't we just take a minute each to talk about it? I've I've shared. <laughs> I've, I've shared. So, Phil, Phil, start with you, man. You've been moving. Yes, yes. Uh, after a four-month search, I finally found an apartment two days before I left for Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is hilarious because, like, the last time I was moving out of my house and I was selling my place and, and packing up everything, Fantasy Flight Games contacts me for my first freelance assignment for them. So, naturally, in the midst of all that chaos, I had to take the assignment because you do it. Because you have to do <laughs> reasons and i didn't I, I submitted it just after you know it was due on after, hilariously at gamer nation con so i submitted it just before i went to gamer nation con and then i didn't hear anything for several months i'm like okay that's that is what it is and then i just had this hunch you ever get that feeling you like something's gonna line up i i know it's gonna line up because it's just the way my life is and sure enough i find an apartment i'm about to go to gen con hey phil ffg here we have another assignment for you if you're interested <laughs> Yeah, Phil, we all feel so sorry for you. I mean, I know, it's just a rough awesome. life. Uh, I'd be happy to take it off your hands. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't know, man. It came with a hell of a price tag from last year. <laughs> yeah, it's about scales and balances. <laughs> okay, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't scale appropriately, I trust you. Trust me. Um, but no, so I'm like, I've been working on that assignment. I've been going to Gen Con. I had real good time there. It was a blast to see folks from the show and, and, and folks in the industry. Um, I'm moving into my new place. I just moved everything in a couple of weekends ago and I'm, I, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I need to unpack. It's, it's, it's appalling. Um, so <laughs> I've just been up to my eyeballs and busy and, and to be fair, I've been looking forward to this too, because I, I haven't hung out with you guys online in forever. Yeah. It seems. I know. I'm, I've really, really missed it. And I miss you guys. 
And Dave, you took part in a moving this weekend as well, yeah? Yes, uh, we moved. Uh, we moved my beautiful daughter into her college dorm for the very last time, and uh, so it was. I don't know. It was kind of uh, interesting and bitter, and kind of. I don't know. I don't really know the feelings all mishmashed together because. On one case, it's great that it's over. This is the last time we're moving her in. On the say, on the flip side, it's, you know, kind of what's next, right? What 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 is next? And I already, if she was here during the summer, and if you don't know, she's been streaming. Finally, started streaming this summer, and immediately got to like two hundred freaking followers and and subscribers, and not not two hundred subscribers, obviously, but she made two hundred dollars in her first two weeks streaming Twitch. What is she playing? I, uh fortnite so oh, of, co- guys, oh, of course yeah. of Honest. course yes yeah yeah exactly so you can check her out if you want to she's tflo t-f-l-o-o-o and uh has quite the uh has quite the following now of course of of uh, little guys <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's fun and you know i was able to help her through that and, and uh got her stream set up at the school um yesterday as a matter of fact and then drove all day today coming home so it's uh i'm kind of tired <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, well, Chris, I wonder what you've been up to, but also I wanted to take this opportunity to let you introduce yourself to our listeners because we obviously know you and a lot of people who've been to Gamer Nation Con regularly or uh, uh, maybe been to the D20 Radio blog, you know, know you. You know, you're you're a longtime D20 Radio-er. You're, you're a staff writer over at the blog. Um, but dude, if, if our listeners aren't familiar with you, tell us tell us about yourself, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I want to say it's been such a long time since I've been like phoned into the cast or something. Uh, I remember a holiday special a, a while back. Uh, so, sex in advance for an awesome show tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like I said, a long time listener. I remember actually catching you guys. I think it was like episode six or seven of uh, the Saga Days, and uh, sticking with it since. I'm a long time uh, Star Wars role player up here in Manitoba, Canada, and I'd like to say uh, uh, first amongst equal the Prime Minister of the Canadian Contingent, perhaps. And uh, yeah, I've been playing Star Wars role-playing games since the old RCR days, uh, so it's been a it's been a long time. Um, like you mentioned, I'm a staff writer at E20 Radio, putting out the Holland Uplink on a weekly basis every Thursday with your uh, fan stats, planet write-ups, vehicles, that kind of stuff. That's been going on for I guess what two years now, if not more. Yeah, a little and, longer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a bit of a budding RPG freelancer. No, no Phil just yet, but actually today uh, my uh, 5e slash Pathfinder compatible. Um, Langard Locations entry, Beyond the Walls, comes out. That's from Raging Swan Press, where I did uh, The Outside In. So starting to climb that ladder. Very cool. Very Dude, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That's fantastic. Dude, well, speaking of uh, uh, your, your guesting here with us and, and topics of extreme import, gentlemen, shall we move into the show perhaps with some announcements? Sure. Why not? Well, somebody said it, so I guess we have to. Well, yeah. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements! Announcements! Oh, yes. So, feature podcast this week. If you are a fan of Dragon Age, and you know, let's face it, you really should be because it's amazing. Um, 
you're probably aware of the incredibly good and loved Dragon Age RPG by Green Ronin. And if you're not, and you want to learn more, or if you are, and you still want to learn more and more, well, then your best place is the Wonders of Theatus podcast. Um, they're dedicated to boxes of awesome. That is the Dragon Age RPG. Uh, Wonders of Thetis just uh, dropped their 56th or 58th, 58th episode. 58th. Mad Science, as it's called. Mad Science. Deep dive into the poison-making talent. It's a cool show. You guys should uh, go check it out and give Dragon Age a roll while you're at it. And you know what? Find this and many, many more great podcasts at the www.d20radio.com. Oh, yes. Moving on to Fantasy Flight Games news. Uh, Ciphers and Masks, the long-awaited Age of Rebellion sourcebook for spies, is now out for many people, and soon to be out everywhere. I picked my copy at Gen Con. And yes, we will do a show on it, listeners. Do not worry. <laughs> uh, coinciding with the release of Ciphers and Masks, FFG has also dropped a set of decks for the Courier, the Interrogator, and the Sleeper Agent specs, and, a, and the new spy signature abilities, covering all the new talents and abilities therein. Uh, also announced after Gen Con was the rise of the Separatists. <sighs> this came out of the blue, but FFG also announced the new era source book taking place during the early days of the Clone Wars. The source book will be compatible with every game in the line, much like Dawn of Rebellion, and offer new weapons, gear, vehicles, stats for famous Clone Wars era characters, and of course, new character options. Uh, it will have a clone trooper career. That's right, not just a specialization, <laughs> a career. Within, within it, they announced the three specializations, the clone officer, the clone pilot, and the clone trooper. Clone pilot? <laughs> Can you guys say Republic Commando game? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Uh, new species options include the clone, the Genosin, the Kaminoan, and the Umbaran. We also know that young Obi-Wan and Count Dooku will get a full set of stat blocks. And I want to say I wasn't crazy when I read this, but I also think that there's going to be a Jedi career. Mm, I'm fairly really? certain I read that in there. And gee, Jedi career. How novel of them. Wow. <laughs> I thought we had like a book of Jedi careers. I'm just saying. Yeah, several. Well, wow. well here's, the, here's the weird part. If I read it correctly... Like, one of the specialization options will be Jedi Knight, and one of the specialization options will be Jedi Padawan. Really? Yeah. Because that makes sense. So, like, Jedi Padawan, it's all the things where you jump out of a speeder and you're basically a bot? Basically, that's what I'm thinking. And then Jedi Knight, I guess, is you get to be a respectable, booze-drinking gentleman, I suppose. Mm. There you go. <laughs> well, if their, goal but, is, if their goal is to give us an era source book that literally lets people recreate the Clone Wars cartoon... And they want to simplify it down. It's like, look, you get to be a clone trooper. Here's three types. You get to be a Jedi. Here's three types. I could see that. Right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but you can find those details on this right now over at fantasyflightgames.com. Oh, yes. And while your busy fingers are perusing the vast platitudes of the web that is worldwide... You'll want to swing your cursor over to the address bar and check out www.d20radio.com, the only gaming blog who thinks the platitudes are the dishes at Lando Calrissian's table. The finest gaming uh, minds uh, uh, uh. and authors are there to deliver you a constant stream of the best fan-generated content and articles in the galaxy. Uh, this week, the amazing Philip Krasminski uh, delivered us a wicked new threat in his Galaxy Guide series of Fringe Threats. 
Chell Cold Case Wieda, Journeyman Hunter. Uh, beautifully designed, literally beautifully designed, like with FFG styling page entry, um, uh, including a PDF for download. Uh, Rodian <laughs> Bounty Hunter. She's a very staunch threat for your party. Um, she, her Corellian Hounds, and her ship Cold Case are all presented as ready-to-go antagonists for your table right now. And also, I'm not pandering here, uh, <laughs> but the, the... Oh, you guys. Oh, you oh you guys. Uh, the equally amazing Chris Hunt dropped some solo content. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, with stat blocks for Enfys Ness's own Cloud Rider Marauders and their Skyblade 330 swoop bike. Um, new minion threat and vehicle can bring a little bit of solo into your games. Uh, very cool stuff. Um, and you guys can find this all more, all and more daily at d20radio.com. And while you're over there at d20radio.com, uh, you'll find a couple links on the right-hand side of the page, a couple buttons. One of them will take you to our thriving forum community. Yes, it's still thriving, uh, amazingly. Um, the other will take you to our Patreon, or you can just head to patreon.com d20radio. If you guys are a fan of the podcast, you're a fan of the content we produce, um, couple bucks a month that's all we ask helps us keep our authors paid for the work they contribute which is very important to us and it keeps the server bills paid and we had a strange occurrence happen just recently and i've been so insanely busy i have not had a chance to properly promulgate this on social media i will after the podcast um and i i don't so if you're listening i don't imagine this will still be the case but we have kind of a high level pledge tier it's 30 dollars a month and that $30 a month gets you uh, a guaranteed Skype game with either a podcast host or one of our D20 Radio staff writers every single month. Each game is designed to be a one-shot, and it's called the surprise level. You don't know until the month comes what system we're going to run for you, and pre-gens will be provided. Um, I know just recently, um, who was our GM this past... Uh, it was uh, Ben yesterday. Yeah, it was Ben. ben. Yeah. Or Saturday, I guess, or Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. It was, it was Ben Erickson, uh, recently another one of our staff writers. The month prior to that, I was actually the GM. Um, and uh, yeah, man, and, and the next one's coming. We have had, unfortunately, due to just financial things, we've had to have two people drop out of that slot. There are currently two slots open for that game. So if you would like to have a regular monthly Skype game on the third Saturday of each month with an incredibly quality GM, uh, the opportunity is there. And, it's like uh, a virgins. It's like a virgins in the force. Yes. It is there. It is there. Okay, guys. Yes. Uh, can we talk about episode nine news very quickly? <laughs> hey, oh, just real quick. I want to thank the uh, Geek Pantheon, Darth Kman, and Droid Dreamer for following the channel here, and uh, XNuke92 and the Geek Pantheon for subscribing. So you guys are awesome. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, we have quite a few listeners watching live right now on the Twitch stream. Um, so very, very cool. Okay, guys, episode nine news. Holy mother. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about this. What, what were the big things that came? We, we, we had like three big crazy things come out of Comic-Con when they finally post the cast announcement. Uh, how about Colt 45? (laughs) You asked for him. We got him coming. (laughs) <laughs> I wish I could say that this was a surprise, but yeah, no, to be it really right. isn't. Yeah, um, I'd be a little disappointed if it wasn't there, especially after the release of Solo. But yeah, the return of Billy D. Williams in the cast as Lando Calrissian, I'm just like, woo, woo. Can I, okay, can I ask an indelicate question? Okay. 
speaking as a man who is extremely out of shape, but I'm not going to be on camera, do you think Billy D is going to get into some serious workout shape for this role? I doubt it. I, I maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. I haven't even seen him here lately. Is he, uh, is he the Pudge Fest, or is he, he not? W- he was just up in Boston, literally last, not le- this last weekend, but the weekend before, and he old. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but at this point, Lando's like a legitimate businessman here, right? He must have people to do that for him. Right. right. I mean, he can come in any shape he wants to on this, and it's just fine. We haven't seen him on the films for 30x years. Right. Just wheel him out on a hover dolly like Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. As long as he's not as big as Jabba, then I think we're fine. No, Bigger. no he's not. But he's... I don't know. He's what? 70-some-odd? 80? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. in the yeah, yeah, 70s-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Mid-70s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think this guy, this guy deserves it. I mean, remember back in... Um, you'd have a bunch of randos in the Star Wars role-playing... Or the Star Wars PC games... You'd have Billy uh, D. Williams playing himself, right? <laughs> so this guy has put in put in work over the years. That he deserves to get back in the film. Yeah. Um, now the other two big things coming out of the cast list announcement was Carrie Fisher was officially listed on the cast list, and we all kind of knew this, but apparently they're going to be using some unused footage from Episode Seven, maybe Episode Eight, um, and oh. do- doing a little bit of rewrite um, on some scripting to kind of get her in there. Um, okay. Which is actually kind of a surprise to me. I, I honestly expected, considering with her death, that they would sort of have her die between the films, basically. Right. Um, um, but except for the fact that when she passed away, they said, even back then, early 2017, we are not killing her off. We are not recasting her. That's been their refrain since, like, winter 2017. Um, see, I, I it, thought... I thought I, I I remember them saying they weren't going to recast her or digitize her. I, I didn't, I, but I didn't expect her to be in the film. Yes, I remember they. I, I mean, and JJ is so into the let's give the fans what they want kind of mode that I don't think he's going to kill her off. I think he's going to put her in here or there, maybe give her a glorious death of some sort to further the plot. But I, you know, I, there's no telling. And then the last piece of news was, of course, Mark Hamill returning, um, despite his death in episode eight. Spoilers! Um, Whoa! <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Wait, what? Luke died? So, what do you guys think? Force Ghost or Flashback? Oh, Force Ghost. Force Ghost. Force Ghost, yeah. He's okay. going to be harassing Kylo. I hope, God, I hope so. But if he does, then it begs the question why Anakin has not been harassing Kylo this entire time. Grandfather. We'll find out. <laughs> I, I, maybe he has. We just don't know it. No, I don't know. I, I don't think Anakin has a reason to 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 harass him. It, it's entirely possible Anakin hasn't learned how to commune through Force Ghostness yet, really. I don't know. It's not all, like he's... Although he... It's not like he's the most powerful force user in the galaxy at the time of his death or anything. So you know, I, I yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you know, he was a he was a novice. He was a relative novice. Details. Warn <laughs> me not with details. Warn <laughs> me not with details. So, hey guys, can you tell me how to manifest myself? How about no? <laughs> <laughs> it's no. unfair. Everyone else on the council knows how to manifest themselves. Why can't I? 
I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, and yeah, we know Keith. He 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 managed he managed to show himself once in on Endor, but that took everything out of him, so he obviously quit doing it. <laughs> Not to mention there's a bunch of other people there too, you can kinda of anchor off as well, right? Right, yeah, exactly. It was just it was a you know, it was really all it was all it really was was Yoda projecting. That's all it was. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out why. Oh. I mean, they surprised us with all kinds of things as far as, like, the methodology and how the Force works through, you know, Rebels cartoon and, and Episode 8. So who knows what we're going to in Episode 9 as, as far as, oh, that's how the Force works? Uh, okay, cool, guys. It's still better than midichlorians. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> well, speaking of midichlorians... Uh, let's talk about the transference of creative particles uh, with uh, one more final announcement. Um, the Adventure Writing Academy. We uh, we dropped a little bit of a promo for them at the top of this particular show. Um, but, dude, uh, I wanted to bring it up because we've had, we've had lots of D20 radio writers and podcasters, interestingly, many of whom are now working as freelancers, um, uh, take this course. Um, and, and they've done nothing but rave about it. I mean, Chris, you're, you're an alumni of this, aren't you? It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I did um, all 10 sessions and it really shows the results. I mean, I applied the method, got in with uh, Raging Swan, so can't really argue with success. Well, there you go. Um, but yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, and uh, it's an opportunity I would definitely like to pursue as well. Um, but obviously, uh, we want to bring it up because registration for the coming course is open now. Um, and that course, I believe, starts at the end of September. And it's, again, those are 10 week courses. Um, another course also starts at the beginning of November, and obviously that registration's there as well. So, yeah, guys, um, honestly, AdventureWritingAcademy.com, go check it out. Um, obviously, there's some serious uh, uh, D20 radios owned that are, are working with this and have, have been students and are also uh, helping to run it. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if it intrigues you, go check it out. Absolutely. If I can just give one final plug here, i got to say, in terms of um, the skills that you're going to be given by this, Writer's block, not all, all gone, but 99% gone, right? Knowing how to edit, it's there, right? Knowing how to confidently pitch, it's there. And having the confidence to do so, to go out there and say, yeah, uh, here's what I can do, here's my sample, give me some work, please, right? And um, I would not have had that if I didn't know that. I haven't done the course. So can't recommend it enough. That's a good endorsement. Nice. Damn good endorsement. Well, uh, Mr. Hunt, would you like to uh, uh, enter announcements with the social media plug? Absolutely. wouldn't be announced without one. So if you guys want to stay in the know by following D20 Radio on Facebook for news and podcast info on a daily basis, you can check them out on Facebook, or you can follow the GMs on Twitter at at D20 Radio. They post uh, and tweet show info and announcements regularly. That we do. That we do. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, we have a, a bevy of a meat to get into, guys, so let's get into it. Ah, Phil, do we have a tentative title for tonight's meet? Tentative title. A friendly and happy guide on how to be evil. (laughs) Or how to run evil games in Star Wars. Yes. (laughs) Star Wars is a story that has captured the world's collective unconscious for over 40 years. We love it, obviously. 
you love it or you would not be listening. Uh, why are we so drawn to this? I, and and the answer to that question, I mean, entire films, books, essays, articles, veritable treatises have been written about that philosophical topic. You can Google them. For our purposes, Star Wars exceeds other sci-fi and space operas because of the underlying moral and emotional currents that are within it. And that's really the bottom line. These currents resonate with us all. Star Wars is a story about hope and despair, freedom and oppression, good and evil, dark and light. It's gripping. And nearly all of us spent childhoods in our backyards swinging lightsabers and banishing Darth Vader back to the depths of space. But this begs the question, what about those of us who played as Darth Vader? (laughs) What about seasoned role players who have mastered the art of telling heroic stories with their characters in a galaxy far, far away and want to tell a different story? Tonight's episode topic was was ultimately suggested by our guest host tonight, Chris Hunt, um, although it has been echoed by many listeners in the past. Tonight, we are going to talk about what it takes to run an evil campaign in this system. Chris, tell us, man, what what drew you to this topic? Why did you want us to cover this tonight? Well, I think like you mentioned there, I think we're all kind of tempted to uh, give into our dark side, embrace the hate. Um but ultimately, to me, I mean, like I said, I've been playing since RCR, right? Uh, and I've been playing since, uh, you know, before that OCR and D6. And sometimes you need new ground. You want to explore different themes. You want to be challenged by unique situations. You just want to switch it up. And oh. some of my own games, um, both in Saga and, and Force and Destiny, have been through an evil lens. And it's been uh, amazing times. Uh, some of the best games I've ever run. I think what's interesting, too, is you're starting to see with um, the new rollout of content, books like Thrawn, Tarkin. Uh, Battlefront 2 in the uh, the book Emperor Squad, exploring a lot more of the Imperial or the uh, the dark side uh, of this universe. Yeah, I'm I'm down with you, and honestly, I, I think it's a really meaty topic of discussion, which is why tonight we are going to put on our ridiculous masks. We are going to strap up our blood-stained white laminate armor. We're going to ignite our crimson lightsaber blades. And we're going to have an in-depth discussion with loads of advice on just how to have a successful evil game. Not just as a GM, but most importantly, as a player. Tonight on your Order 66 podcast. Now, I gotta make a comment. Please do. Oh boy. Is it evil? No. no. Actually, it isn't. Uh, here's tonight's challenge. Sell me on this. Because I have zero desire to run a dark side campaign. Ah. So tonight's challenge is sell me on it. So we're trying to corrupt the paladin, in other words. Yeah. Okay. I I think you will. I think I think we can do this. I think we can, but we we just gotta we gotta go through it. So okay, I, I guess my first question then is what makes a campaign evil and i really want this to be an organic discussion guys i've got a few talking points in the notes here but you know just to kind of remind us to go through a few things but you know what what are we talking about here what what is an evil campaign let's start with the start with the basic topic um the core theme about playing heroes or anti-heroes if you will that don't side with the normal good guys of star wars When it comes to Star Wars, known moral conflicts, you are on the other side. So, for example, in The Force, from its most basic perspective, playing a dark Jedi and... And that's 
you know, given the parameters of Star Wars, it's probably the easiest way to understand it. True. Now, on the flip side, though, it also means playing as Imperial characters, even those without Force sensitivity. So instead of playing a Rebellion-era game with, you know, X-Wing pilots and, and, and Endor troopers and that sort of thing, you're playing soldiers, officers, and members of the Imperial complex. Talking. Talking. Hmm. Now, what it's not, strangely, it's worth calling out that evil campaigns really aren't about self-interested criminals working in the outer rim. As odd as that sounds, that underbelly of the galaxy is considered pretty standard for Star Wars heroes. And for that, you can blame Han Solo. Truth. I mean, that's that's the first property, right? Precisely. Yeah. Now, while those characters may kill, steal, and cause mayhem, they really aren't doing so on a particular side of the underlying moral conflict in a galaxy far, far away. They're just being selfish pricks. Pretty much. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So, and, and honestly, that attitude is really the core of Edge of the Empire, a lot of it. Um, you know, so, you know, that's something that resonates with players, but that's not really what we're talking about. It's not just about being a murder hobo. Um, okay. So what are we talking about? What, 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 Why run an evil campaign? Well, okay, murder well, well that's, the, and, and it could be about being a murder hobo, but this is a, this is a good question. I mean, I mean, Chris, you elaborate, man. What, what's, what are some of the benefits of doing this because you've done it. Keith Kappel's in chat. He's run his Stormtrooper games that were wildly successful as well. I've run evil games. I mean, mm-hmm. what's what what's the benefit? What sell Phil? Why do this? Well, yeah, I mean, me too. I've, I've ran a number of games like this. And first things first, it's just really, really cool. First of all, <laughs> Stormtroopers are cool. Sith are cool. Red lightsabers are cool. And the Death Star is cool. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, reference people who are playing Star Wars Legion. Uh, people are buying a lot of Empire box sets, right? People love playing the Empire and um, in Battlefront, right? And people are signing up for these games, and people are playing in the games. So first of all, people just want to do that. I mean, evil the evil faction sense is just through the roof, usually. Well, Chris, shouldn't, uh, that, shouldn't that be enough? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know, Phil. Is that enough? Are you good? Yeah. Not really. I mean, I get so, what you're playing. I prefer playing Armada in the... in. I, I prefer playing the Empire in Armada. I love the ships. You're talking to a guy who dresses up as an Imperial officer or a scout trooper on the occasional weekends. I dig it's being cool, and it's fun to be the bad guy as a character. It's also one of the reasons why I GM. I get to play the bad guys and help direct a story and have heroic uh, characters throw challenges at them to overcome. I don't know if I really want to do that from a player perspective, though, and have that be the theme of an entire campaign I get involved in. Or on the flip side... I don't know if I want to play the good guys and have PC bad guys stomping all over them. Well, okay, hold on. So let me go back to let me go back to Morpheus. Remember when he goes into what is real? You know, how do you define real? All right, so what is evil? How do how do you define evil in this context? My answer is you don't. It's it's in not it's not inherently evil because the guys that you're going to be playing as a PC think they're just as righteous as the guys that are on the rebellion side when you're playing in that perspective as well. So I, I, I think you kind of check your preconceived notions at the door when it comes to good and evil, as opposed to everything that Star Wars tells you that is good and evil, right? You're just doing a job. Yeah, and there, there is merit to that. And what you said we will dig into as, as one, of the, one of the core RP things to think about. 
But you bring up a good point, Dave, too, about the fact that it's it's about a certain avenue of role playing. For me, Phil, this adds a lot of really exciting RP elements that kind of break the norm for a Star Wars game. And like, man, look, especially for a seasoned group of players, stepping into just a radically different pair of shoes within the galactic conflict, it can be very refreshing. It can be very invigorating. It can be very revitalizing. Um, I've had groups where you get a bored, the party's just kind of bored with it. And it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And everyone gets totally on board because it's such a radical departure. And, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of stretching your RP muscles. Does that make sense? Yeah, and for me, <laughs> definitely makes sense. Good. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> He's frozen in time. You're frozen in time. <laughs> but Chris, yeah, uh, Kylo Ren's uh, force freeze going right now. Yes. It's, it's like that. It's like that when he tripped over the cable at Gamer Nation Con, and his, what, what does a critical fail look like? Yeah. Love it. I love it. So, Chris, you were you were adding something as well. I was going to say that it's not just the the role playing aspect, which 100% is right there, but it's also um, what Phil was getting at, right? Where he's saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, as an Armada player, I like to play the Empire. And as a GM, I love playing the Empire. I mean, a lot of players have that itch too. Maybe they don't want to run a whole game, but they want to try the different scenarios, right? Because if you're playing the Rebels all the time, it's all about hit and run, yada yada, right? So you get to flip some of those RPG conventions on their head. So instead of always trying to run the blockade, hide from the Empire, etc., now you're on the flip side. You're setting the trap, right? You you're having an entire the legion of your own troops. You are the blockade. You're the people going house to house trying to find these people, right? Playing Karen Insurgency whack-a-mole. Um, instead of being cash-strapped or resource-poor, always trying to, you know, make do with your Y-Wings, sure, you got everything. You got, like, Star Destroyers, TIE Fighters, everything, informants. Um, but good luck. I mean, sure, you have all that stuff, but can you find that one Rebel Squad that has infiltrated the population? It's a totally different challenge. You and, uh not now. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's no, no worries because um, you're not going Dreadnought against Dreadnought. You're going Dreadnought against two people, right? So it's a totally different challenge. And, uh, and finally, on the more dark side of the house, instead of all trying to redeem someone, you get to tempt them into the dark. Yes, yes. Which is a totally different thing. Can you slowly nudge them and, and give them a taste, whet their appetite into the dark side? Take a bite of this evil, Mr. Paladin. <laughs> it tastes good. We've already got Phil saying that he likes to, uh, you know, run the dark side. Whoa, whoa, just the GM though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. Uh oh. As another way, as another way to think about it, Phil. For me, it's giving my players a taste of that joy that I feel getting to be the bad guy, uh, which can <laughs> which can be a lot of fun. So, okay, this leads into. Continuing this conversation into discussion, and Phil, maybe maybe this will help convince you uh, more than anything else, because I, I think I think a really good avenue to continue is to really talk about uh, what I call, from a certain point of view, um, re- really discussing the role playing and the characters here, because and, and to the points that have been made, and, and the excellent point that Dave made just a moment ago. Everything about successfully running an evil game comes down to the perspective of the player characters and the NPCs who command them. And I think it really starts with uh, an excellent quote that I know we're all familiar with. Every good villain is the hero of their own story. I'll give you that. Except Walter White, who's the hero of everybody's story. That's correct. <laughs> you, you, are, you are correct. 
I think if you look at uh, just even the Star Wars films we have, uh, almost all of them have at least something positive about them. Uh, Darth Vader may be an evil tyrant, but he's a, a courageous warrior who leads his troops from the front. Um, Grand Moff Tarkin may be cruel, calculating, and uh, a genocidal maniac uh, who blew up Alderaan, but he has the willpower and intellect, if you read Tarkin, to see his vision and, and make it manifest. Count, Duke's char- uh, Count Dooku is charismatic and outwardly honorable, and um, I hate to break it to any Th- Thrawn fanboys out there, but that dude's a villain. Oh. Yeah. He's made a deal with the devil, Palpatine, that he'll crush the rebels and do whatever he has to uh, so that Palpatine will fulfill his end of the bargain. So ultimately, if you're a fan of Thrawn, you're a fan of a villain. This is very true. You know, okay. it, yeah. You know, like, the thing is, the thing is, the PCs in an evil game, and honestly, no matter, this is, in, even not an evil game, the PCs, whether they're good or they're bad, should see themselves as the righteous cause in the galaxy and their foes as the degenerate cause. And maintaining that that conviction um, is essential to playing a really good evil campaign um, as a player. Um, and then additionally, when you have that mind frame set, it, it really kind of reframes things. Because ultimately, when you think about dark side, or, or, or not, I want to say dark side because we're not just talking about force users. When you think about evil PCs, it's about conviction for me, and it's about power. Okay, maybe both. But e- each PC should flesh out their reasons for being the bad guy. And they either that means they either don't see themselves as the bad guy, or they simply accept it and embrace it as a path to personal power for a deeper and greater reason that is often at least starts in a very honorable way. Okay. Um, mm. And so let, I, I think we can easily, and I think for the most for the rest of this discussion, guys, we can probably divide this up because I really do see a stark dichotomy between what I would call Imperials. And I'll use that as a blanket term for non force using bad guy PCs. Okay. Um, versus, you know, what I would call Dark Jedi or Sith, which are our Force users. Because when you bring the Force in, there's a whole new thing to discuss. And Phil, maybe right. maybe you can weigh in on this, man, but I think, knowing you as I do, I think in your mind, you might be a lot more comfortable with a non-Force-using bad guy party, like a party of Stormtroopers, or, you know, gen- Imperial officers who genuinely feel what they're doing is right, okay, versus somebody like a Sith who has willfully given themselves over to a dark power. Is that a better distinction for you? Somewhat. And it's funny because um, the campaign that I'm running right now uh, involved half the PCs playing as Imperial fighter pilots while still with the Empire, while still being given questionable orders and asked to do morally uh, irresponsible acts. But then again, the entire theme of the campaign is uh, at that point was how far are you willing to go for for the for the sake of the greater good? What is the final breaking point for you? It was a setup to have half the PCs who are pirates and half the PCs who are Imperials get to a point where they're like, nope, that's it. I'm out. And leave and join the rebellion and become the next uh, next squadron while having all this kind of moral stains on their on their conscience. Um, and, and, and but you're breaking up, you're breaking up really bad. It was bad, the whole sir. theme, though. It was the whole 
Uh, this calls by Skype. They're jamming us. That can only mean one thing: invasion. <laughs> hey, so I'm, 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 I am just talking right out of my butt right here. But well, yeah, hang on, hang on. But before you get there, Phil, I understand what you were saying. You were saying giving, you know, you can you can present this scenario, but in you know, in your case, in your campaign, it was an opportunity for your players to recognize that they were on a wrong path and then shift it, and. That, that's something we can we can certainly talk about. But when they're at least starting that path, or even if they want to continue on it, and Dave, I want you to continue with your shooting out out your ass here. But if we're <laughs> if we're if we're, I mean, talk to me about Imperials, okay? If we're if we're talking about Imperial non-force using characters, how do they need to view themselves here? What things do they tell themselves every single day to follow this path and be in this uh, and be on this side of the conflict in the first place? Who was that to? You. Oh, I I don't know. I wasn't really prepared to answer that question, but oh, sorry. <laughs> Talk out your ass, then. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. If if you're if you're asking what do they need to keep going on their path, then the answer is the same as what do rebels need to keep going down their path. Okay, that's the same. I mean, it's mm. exactly the same. You need a sense of purpose, right? It's it's purpose that defines us. I'm going back to the Matrix again and again. It's 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 amazing. Um, by the way, movie defenders, I'm going to be a guest on their podcast this weekend, and we're talking about the Matrix. That's oh. crazy as it is. Very nice. Um, anyway, what I was what I was thinking about, and, and I was just listening to Phil talk about going down that path, and what if? And I, I'm, I'm again, this is just total scatter shooting, and it's not even related to what we're talking about. But what if we set up, and how could you set up? A PvP RPG, and and what I mean by that is, two GMs connected via via headset or whatever within with with parties in two rooms, and basically one room is an infiltrator of rebels, the other is the control room of Imperials, and eventually the two groups will fight each other. But I I man I I don't know for me that that. Well, Phil was talking. I'm thinking, oh my god, this is something I want to do, and I want to do it at Gamer Nation Cup somehow. Well, if you were wanting to do something like that, man, obviously the fact that you've got different GMs and and players take different time to do things, it would be a, a little unreasonable. What I would do is I would probably modify it very similar to how we did um, the Black Nova Gambit, where you've got two tables, and what I would do is I would have two encounters set up or scenarios that they would run through on their own. And then there would be a time limit where they need to be finished by. Then there would be a 15 minute break and we would continue the story with all 12 players at the same table. But at that point in time, it's a full on conflict between them. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, try and try and pull out the, the turn by turn, boom, 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 GM's communicating in real time, and if you don't go, then you don't go. Guess what? The other group gets two turns because you're too slow. Because that's what would happen in battle. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> hey, I mean, that, that's never possible. Been done. It would need a lot of work, yeah. It's never been done, so I don't know. Uh, but back to our topic of discussion, I, I, re <laughs> I really, I really want to get into fleshing out how PCs on the Imperial side of things, non-Force users, how they get down into their path. What are the things that they tell themselves to be on that righteous side? Because that's the thing. If you're going to be a non-Force using Imperial 
as a hero, a PC, you got to be righteous. You got to believe in yourself. What what are the things that these guys would tell themselves? What what gives them their conviction? What gives them their perspective? On the imperial side? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, right? Rebel scum. You make yourself believe, oh, these are rebel scum, right? They're terrorists. They're they're subversive. They're trying to tear apart the very fabric of our wonderful uh, imperial society. You know, they're, they're tearing away at the underbelly of our beautiful utopia. Mm-hmm. That's what they, you know, that's what they they're telling themselves, right? There's no there's no peace. There's no safety. There's no security. While these Neanderthals are running around the galaxy with their little blasters and ships. I mean, they're they're you know? bl- they're blowing up buildings. They're inciting war. Um, they're murdering people. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Age of Rebellion, um, there's a spec that straight up is agitator, right? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. incite rebellion. You use coercion. That's your that's your primary skill, right? Is there, is because... there a picture of Sagarera? No, no, it was too early. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's a good point, right? I mean, uh, first off, is that really even necessarily uh, untrue from a certain point of view to whip out that Obi-Wanism? I mean, you've got the obvious case of Sagarera and his partisans. Um, Borgully aside, right? <laughs> they do some fairly fresh Borgully. Borgully, man. Borgully knows what you had for breakfast. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't, he's a little extreme. That's such a non sequitur in that film, anyway. <laughs> no, okay, but beside that, I mean, they're like, they're doing basically suicide attacks. They're attacking people in like really densely crowded areas. They don't really care where grenades go off or who gets hit by a repeating blaster. And that's the extreme example. Even if you dial it back into Mon Mothma's um, Rebel Alliance, uh, you got guys like Cash and Andor who's like shooting an informant in the back alley. Yeah. And uh, his boss, General <laughs> Draven, who's like, uh, yeah, we know the council said you should um, bring back uh, this guy. But uh, just, yeah, just shoot him. <laughs> just kill him. Yeah, you're, you're going to murder him in cold blood. Yeah. Yeah. And the force is going to move darkly around you. I mean, it's not an unreasonable viewpoint to hold. And if you're not privy to the larger formation of the Empire, and that's the thing, you, you have to separate yourself as a player from the, in, the, the, the universe knowledge that we have having seen all these films. You know, the, you know the, the way you grew up, the Jedi were nothing but hucksters, man. There was no, it was, it was, it was simple tricks and nonsense. And they, they failed us. They got us into a giant war. And, you know... Uh, Gosh, you know, and, and that leads into the other big justification I see an Imperial telling themselves constantly. The Empire is the only thing that saved us. You know, I remember the Clone Wars, or my daddy remembers the Clone Wars, and they were tearing the galaxy apart, and millions were dying, and the Jedi did nothing, and they betrayed us, and, you know, they, they let us down. We got into the wars in the first place, and, you know, all that huge propaganda machine drilling up. You know, the, the peace and security the Empire brings is the only way to stave off that massive conflict, that massive loss of life. It's not perfect, but it's better than all-out war and complete dissent. Yeah, and I think, let's say, um, you join up and, you know, you're a really zealous guy, you're doing your part. But even if you join up just to join the Imperial Army and get enough money after a four-year stint to go to space college or whatever, right? And you get deployed to, like, Tatooine, and you're like, this place is a complete gong show. There's, like, actual gangsters are in charge of this thing. <laughs> Right? There's like slaves. Like it's crazy, right? Like it's completely lawless. And you have rebels who are saying, uh, no, you know, um, the core worlds, yeah, I mean, they're they're peaceful, but it's like oppressive. So we just tear this whole thing down. And you're like, no, I've seen I've seen the chaos out there. And you want to tear down the only thing of civilization. It's kind of like um, uh, a few good men 
uh, when they're in the courtroom there, there's that quote where it's like, son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded with men with guns. And who's going to do it? You? You, L.T. Weinberg? I've got greater responsibility you can possibly fathom. And he goes on to say that, you know, you weep for the guy who died, but ultimately says, uh, this world is, uh, is completely dangerous, and you need rough men like me to stand on the wall. And I think after a couple tours of duty as an Imperial character, you're going to get to that point where you say, you know, the Empire may not be perfect, but it's way better than that. Wait, wait, wait. You get, give, give me the money line. Come on. Come on. <laughs> you oh. want the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I was looking for You want me on that wall. Oh, yeah. yeah. You need me on that wall. And my existence, <laughs> while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want there the truth. Go. Because deep down in places, you don't talk about it at your parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> But listen, ultimately, and these perspectives in a PC are, are paramount. Being a, an Imperial PC, okay, in this kind of game requires one of two things. Either a blind or ignorant eye to the horrors of the Empire, okay? Because, listen, even, even with those perspectives, and the, the, the rebel, rebel ranks get filled from Imperials all the time because when you witness mass genocide, it kind of... <laughs> It, it kind of skews things, okay? So it either right. requires a blind or ignorant eye to the horrors of the Empire behind the scenes, or, and this is the more difficult choice, a knowing eye coupled with the conviction that, yeah, that's horrible, but it's still worth it. Because we need rough men on the wall. Because I rem- I'm old enough to remember the Clone Wars. I was there on Felucia. I mean, it's like, you know, I, you, you, know you don't understand. Yeah... You know, and, and and we'll talk about this, but this is where this is where morality and obligation and and motivation can come in, especially if you're dealing with a lot of of battle. Depending on how you serve during the wars, you know, you could legitimately regard these aliens as scum. I saw what they did. You know what I mean? I mean, there's so many parallels you can draw mm-hmm. between this and like Nazi Germany. You know, I mean, even to the point where, how how did how did Palpatine rise to power? Emergency powers of the Chancellor. How did Hitler rise to power? Emergency powers granted to him. I mean, seriously, the, the parallels are uncanny sometimes when you look at it. Well, they're pretty bald faced. I mean, they are called stormtroopers. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> sweet reds as well, right? Jack boots and all. Um, uh, J- Jack boots and sweet threads. And you know, maybe that's where my problem is in line right now. I get enough of that crap when I turn on the news and look at Facebook. Why would I want to encourage that kind of play in my PCs? So, Phil, this is where I'd say that uh, I'm going to get all hoity-toity on here and say that you can play a role-playing game just for the pure fun of it, but you can also do it to explore these ideas in a, a way that you control, right? Because uh, you're controlling the themes your, your characters are playing. You can try and understand and maybe make sense of the kind of the world we see now by, by putting yourself in a role where maybe you start to understand not necessarily uh, empathize with, but understand kind of maybe their thinking and what it would take to persuade them to move out. That's kind of my like meta level thought pattern here. You got to know right. your folks to a degree, but uh, it lets you kind of stretch out and, and say, well, what would it take? What would be what would be one thing too many, or what would be like how do people even think this way, right? Because um, you like I know that you are a big um, the Old Republic guy, right? You ever played the Imperial Agent storyline? Oh yeah. Yeah, so like at some point, uh, like Space M Keeper tells you, like, hey, like we're we're the garbage man, man. Like it's not glamorous <laughs> or honorable. 
we clean up after the Sith and clean up after the military. Uh, and, and we're going to use you up throwing the garbage. But this thing keeps the Empire running. It keeps our citizens safe. Um, so for them, you know, it hasn't been too many things yet. But like in that game, you can decide, no, enough's enough. i got to change it. We're going to keep you safe. Would you like to know more? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and these are these are really good points, you know. And ultimately, and I, we're actually going to come to this in the end of our discussion. We've actually got it in the show notes to talk about the possibility of of exploring these options with the goal of 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 setting your PCs up to potentially turn. But these are very powerful stories. You know, as much as Battlefront Two stank, I loved the story of Battlefront Two. Yeah, there's a really great story in there somewhere. Yeah, in there somewhere. <laughs> and, and and honestly, if, if you haven't played it or you couldn't stop playing it, just go to YouTube, spend an hour and a half, and, and click one of the videos that's just all the story cut scenes. That's all you yeah. need to watch. <laughs> it's about 90 minutes. Yeah, there's a good movie in there. And there's, there's, yeah, a, there's, good a, movie. there's a really good movie in there. The um, time book's great, too. Uh, it it's, uh, explores the, all those ideas even further, because they're up against an even worse version of Saga Rare as part of that. Yeah. Oof. So, I mean... Th- that's that's kind of the attitude you've got to take as an imperial PC, but and this is being brought up in chat too uh, by Droid Dreamer. That's when we're talking about the 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 quote unquote you know hardworking industrious imperial people quote unquote right um, you know the, the 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 regular soldiers the people who've either bought into the ideal or are so convicted to the ideal that they're willing to ignore horrors okay. But let's talk about the other flip side of this coin, <laughs> because when we talk about uh, evil games, okay, some players think, yeah, I want to play a Stormtrooper, and they, they go for that. But for a lot of others, there's a real infatuation with that red lightsaber. Um, because when we talk about Dark Jedi or Sith and playing as those characters, I really think you have to look at your involvement in the bad guys and being a bad guy in a totally different lens. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's almost like being a force user, it gives you that knowledge that we as moviegoers have of what the deeper root and meaning is. So if if being a Imperial is about seeing yourself as righteous and that conviction, what is the underlying character need and traits going to be for a PC who is a Dark Jedi or a Sith? What is that going to be about? Well, arguably, the ends justify the means. Yes. Uh-huh. But But what is the end? What are they wanting? That's probably going to just depend on the campaign, depend on what, the, what they are. I mean... I could see a game where let's let's take the let's take the existing game, the existing era, Force and Destiny. I could see a game where PCs find out that they're Force users. They realize that they have the chance to rebuild the Jedi or or, or recreate the Jedi Order, but they realize you know or, or they they find out that the Jedi failed. The Jedi are gone. It's time to do a new path. Sure, they may learn because because in the, the the general public of the galaxy they don't realize the emperor is the Sith they don't realize he's a he's a Sith Lord there's like mm-hmm. there's got, like three people in the galaxy who know that <laughs> one hand yes. yeah yeah mm-hmm. um but they know Darth Vader's a Sith he he goes around and well not he goes around but he's introduced his party at parties as the Lord of the Sith um but, 
but these PCs could go, you know what? I'm tired. The, the Empire is evil. It's oppressive. It's bringing the galaxy down. And either let's fight fire with fire or let's try a different path. That Jedi's path failed. Let's try someone else's. Yeah, but I have to say, those would be really awkward parties. <laughs> Very awkward parties. Lord Vader, would you like, a, dr- would you like a drink? Uh, oh, uh, appetize it? Oh, uh. There's a, I haven't read it, but there is a comic book where he's like being asked to dance or something, like uh, facetiously, and then you can like Google this Darth Vader dance, something like that. He, like, he grabs the person with the force and swings him around, killing him. It's like, uh, the, the pleasure was all mine. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't ask him for a little uh, little two step. <laughs> but but you you said it a minute ago. The thing about being a dark Jedi or a Sith is that you're it goes beyond conviction. You're self aware enough to realize that you're doing bad things and that these things are bad. You're self aware enough to realize that you are the bad guy. You just don't care because the ends justify the means. And for that, it always comes down to a deep meaning. <coughs> Excuse me. A deep, yes. a, a deep, a deep meaning that they have. Um, you could call it avarice, um, but for whatever reason, that the power that the dark side is going to grant you is something that dwarfs everything else. Um, and and maybe you're totally self centered and you're truly addicted to growing your power, but that's a rarity. And if you if you get into the legends material and even the canon, almost everyone who is dark, with the exception of maybe Palpatine. Um, they didn't start that way. There was a reason. There was something that put them on that path. And there's a reason they're seeking this personal power as a path to a noble end. And, you know, I mean, that's how Anakin fell. Let's be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he had some pretty awful character traits like arrogance um, that that can easily be be played off of. But he had ultimately an altruistic end, but very avaricious means that kind of led to where he's at. Um, and, you know, if you get into, this is being brought up in chat too. I got to mention this. If, if you get into like the KOTOR era and, you know, like the code of the Sith, it becomes this ideological thing they're championing. Like we champion freedom. We champion, you know, the ability to do what I want. It really is a, a you know, we are morally righteous in that sense. And you can totally play it that way. Just realize that in Star Wars continuity, that concept pretty much ended with the old Republic and when, the, when the Sith got destroyed, um, you know, any, any surviving dark siders, it's very different. Even if you look at dark, other dark siders outside of the Sith in the modern galactic, in the modern galactic time frame, like, uh, the night sisters, you know, they don't have some lofty ideal they're trying to uphold. They have important goals to them, like the survival of their planet and their culture, but it's just the, you know, terrible means to a noble end, basically. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Ryshek in the chat here is a good point here, talking about, um, again, a KOTOR-era storyline uh, with someone who was a slave, uh, seized power, planned to liberate people, but you get caught in a trap, right? Where the power is never enough. The solution is always more power, right? But, um, you know, the more you take, the more you feel threatened, and you start to move down that dark path, right? Because yeah. uh, you got to remember, it's like I said, you have that avarice or that arrogance to say, you know what, um, the Empire is bad, but so was the Republic. So I think only I'm trusted to set things right. And I'm going to need power to do that. I know I wouldn't oppress aliens if I was the Emperor. I know I wouldn't do tyrannical things. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to put me on the throne, at which point I'll govern justly. And you start to do more and more bad things that start to corrupt you as you go along the way. This is very true. And Phil, I have a question for you in regards to this. 
as a GM who's assumedly GM quite a few Jedi players, do you tempt them? I do my best. I do my best. Have they ever tempted? Have they ever fallen? Fallen? No. Um, they've they've certainly you know using the you know as far as as far as the mechanics go, they've definitely danced around um, low numbers. Um, like in my in in the same game I was talking about before, uh, one of the the some of the pirates they're force sensitive, and they just as a course of just doing pirate things ended up doing stuff that that generated a lot of conflict for them, and in many cases they like edged into the forties, and at one point even to like to the high thirties as far as morality went. Oh, that's all. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I mean, and the reason I ask the question is, I mean, you know, if you're if you have this concern about your players playing that anti-heroic way i mean how would you handle it as a gm if they decided to do that if they took every temptation you gave them what would you do would you get them rid of would you get them out of the game would you be disappointed or 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 try to work to get them to to story-wise to get them to be redeemed if they chose that path well no i mean and that that's okay that's kind of the part of all right so that's That's less about the character and more about the storyline, or rather that's less about the storyline and more about the character. If that's the way the character wants to interact with the storyline that's ongoing, which to be fair, ultimately is a rather heroic storyline. Um, and that's the way that the character decides to, to go about doing it. That's interesting. That, that can, that, that's, that's, that's good character development. You know, not everyone is a shining good guy. That's, that, that's fact. Um, there are some shady and and um, anti-hero individuals that are frequent in, in all sorts of media. Um, I guess my hang-up is the villainous campaign from the start, from the themes, from the setting, and that that is the ultimate goal, that the ultimate goal is to stay with that theme and desire as it as it moves forward, not, not redemption, not... Um, not uh, 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 you know falling to the dark side and then coming back to the light. It's about the ends justifying the means. It's about you know how dark does this go for the sake of whatever cause they believe in. Having that as your campaign goal from the outset with the players, right? And you know, honestly, the more I talk about it, the more I think about the, how I'm trying to run this current game, and mm. it's kind of aligning towards that anyway. <laughs> Good. 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 <laughs> now, there's another aspect to consider with the Dark Jedi or Sith PCs um, in an evil campaign. We've talked about how they are on this path because they have a, a truly justified end goal. But there's another thing to consider as well. Um, and it's not terribly easy to do in a game of this nature where your goal is to be an evil campaign, but Phil, it really is an excellent option for those PCs where you want to tell that story where they start evil and then work on that path to redemption. And Chris, I know this is something that you brought up um, in, in, in the notes and in, in earlier conversation, that mm-hmm. idea of, of being a villain because you're weak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so like two, two very good examples of that from um, Legends Material... Uh, consider Vader's Year Apprentice, Starkiller, our own Sam Witwer, and uh, as well as the two Sith protagonists in the Old Republic. You start as a as a 
bog standard weak character. Um, you know, you start your, your your villain's journey, so to speak, uh, on the side of evil. You're a let's say you're a Sith apprentice or a Darth Jedi or something, and you have an evil master, and they they dominate you, right? Um, they force you through fear, coercion, controlling your uh, relationships, whatever, to to do ultimately evil actions. Um, and you either obey or you rebel. But if you don't have power, how can you push off your your evil master, right? So that, of course, leads into, well, uh, in order to get off of this dark path, I've got to gain more power so I can overthrow my master, right? But, you know, that exposes you to significant moral hazards along the road, right? As you need to develop that means to a good end. So even trying to break free, you're falling into, again, whether or not... Uh, you know the Sith Code, or if it's something that's forgotten to the annals of history, you're ultimately trying to gain freedom through power, right? So you're embracing your, your passionate desire for freedom, gaining power so you can win against your master and break free. Well, that's the Sith Code. It is. So how do you navigate that, right? It is. This is a very good point. And, you know, we, we, talk, we, we mentioned this before. We talk about, you know, the flip side of this coin, not Imperials, but these Dark Jedi Sith PCs in this type of campaign. We said, you know, they're typically self-aware of the fact that they're evil. It's just that the ends justify the means. You know, typically self-aware. It is possible, and this is being brought up in chat, actually, by Eric, um, you know, that, you know, you know, even as a dark side user, did Anakin ever feel that he was doing evil? Um, after he became Vader? Uh, no, he, honestly, yeah. When he slaughtered a bunch of children in the Jedi Temple, I think he knew damn well what he was doing was evil. He had, in my opinion, accepted that evil nature at that point because the end justified the means the end was he was going to get the power to save the only thing he really cared about in the universe which was padme um you know uh, but but even then it is possible that you could have a a true dark jedi force using character that doesn't even see what they're doing as evil they see it as just and that goes back to again the the original sith code but these are all strong possibilities if I could just throw an example out here, not to not to talk about my game too much here, <laughs> but uh, I've got the two uh, two Sith Warrior PCs in my current Force and Destiny game set around the Old Republic, um, and one of them has basically said uh, the Empire is cartoonishly evil, and I'm going to become the Emperor to put a stop to it. So I'm going to do whatever I need to, minimizing the harm I go on the way. But if I'm forced to commit atrocities, I'll minimize them, gain as much power as possible, and I'll become the Emperor and I'll make the uh, the Empire a good place. The other guy uh, is very disillusioned. He's kind of stuck, and he's trying to maybe try and find a, a third way, right? Um, and interestingly, these two characters, basically, they're, they're similar mechanically in that they both fight with a lightsaber, right? But how they... And they both feel the Empire does a lot of bad things, right? But uh, the way they're trying to solve this is, is totally different. It's fascinating to watch. So what you're saying is he wants to make the Empire great again. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We're going to build a wall around uh, the Republic, and they're going to pay for it. <laughs> so, okay, we've talked about these RP motivations um, and kind of where your character's head can get into. What I would really like to explore, guys, is mechanically how to pull this off. Um, I want to talk about managing evil characters, the mechanics. How does an enterprising GM and a group of players kind of bring this shared vision into reality in their Star Wars campaign? Um, because I think the system, as amazing as it is, already has the tools in the toolbox to do this. I think you just have to use them in a very different way. And honestly, there are just some core things 
that are a part of every part of player character creation that I think could be easily harnessed to give your character the role-playing um, juice they need to function in this this sort of bad guy schema and evil way. And I've already mentioned it several times, but where does it start, guys? Where does it start? Motivations. Motivations. Uh, Neil, step eight of character creation. Yes. Uh, the core facet of your PC that is shared across any career species or even book line, more so than any normal PC, very careful thought should be put into your character's motivation, as it explains why you support the side that you do. There are some choices that make things a lot easier to justify when you are an evil character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I agree and- with that. I agree with that. Your motivation is going to be a huge uh, factor and component to why you're willing to do what it is you do. Yes. And even just the uh, the gameology here, so to speak, that uh, by having solid, reasonable motivations for why you're turning to what is objectively evil, it's critical to setting your game off right. I mean, that's how I've been able to run, like I said, a Sith game for years without with, with minimal lightsabering each other. It hasn't been zero. There's been some lightsabering each other. But because their motivations are such that they have an end goal in mind, right? I want to become the Emperor. Well, I, there's no need to take out any of these party members until, uh, unless they get in the way, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, so so why would I get rid of my allies, right, when I need them to back me up, right? Why would I betray them in the, the Sith Academy and Korriban um, when those guys over there are in a different group, right? Um, a host of other motivations are at play there, right? But by, by having it evil for a purpose... Whether it's arrogance or uh, uh, the um, ends justifying the means allows the game to actually function and not turn into you know the stereotypical D and D evil game where it lasts like two sessions. <laughs> the first evil game I ever ran in Star Wars was actually for um, Saga Edition. Mm-hmm. I never ran it in OCR and RCR, never in D six. It was in Saga Edition, and yeah, the game lasted two sessions. Oof. Somebody used the old uh, double lightning trick, part of the dark side swift power. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just totally massacred each other. That was pretty much it. Um, and, and I think we can talk about some ways to 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 sort of curtail that. And you, you obviously gave us some good examples, Chris. But in terms of motivation, I'd like to dig into the five motivation types and really talk about how they can be best used for this type of character um, who, who really is the bad guy. Um and I think I'd really want to start with ambition uh, because it's a very strong one for me. Um, ambition as a motivation is detailed in both Edge of the Empire and Force and Destiny. Um, it's a very solid choice for evil characters uh, as personal ambition easily becomes arrogance and a quest for power. And there are some things if you go through ambition that you can see are obvious motivations for a dark side <laughs> character. Revenge, wealth, greed, fame, power, status. Those are textbook ambitions that completely fit with the evil character mindset in terms of what drives you. But I think there might also be some other potentially overlooked ambitions uh, in the lists that may be unusual and rewarding ways to put your character on that dark path. Um, Any thoughts on those? Do we have to be careful of choking on our aspirations? Director Director Krennic? Director Krennic? Dad jokes. That's also key. Yes. Well, he is a dad, you know. Um, yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. Hey, I didn't write the joke. No, you didn't. What about what about survival as an ambition? 
you know, siding with the winners. Hmm. Are you? Are we talking uh, scorekeeping here or what? Trend Oceans. That's interesting. Yeah. So I have a. So there is a Trend Oceans, right? And I had one um, Sith, uh, or sorry, Trend Ocean mercenary uh, helping out the Inquisition and the uh, Imperial intelligence, and uh, they're hunting down aliens at one point. And an alien says, "Well, hold on. Why are you an alien supporting the Empire?" And I'll spare you the, the, the crappy Russian accent that all traditions have in my group and say that. Karsk, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, essentially, he said, the player said, look, the Empire's not oppressing me. Um, I, I'm doing just fine here, right? I'm on the winning side. And I guess they could try and oppress me. And if they do, well, then I deserve my fate because of, like I said, their religion, right? Um, but they haven't yet. And because of my strength, they won't. Huh. Good one. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead. What about like peer pressure? For lack of a better term. Well, everyone's doing it. Yeah. All <laughs> the cool kids are doing it. All the cool kids are using the dark side. <laughs> all, my, all my friends are here. Friendship, I guess, is a better better way of saying it. Well, everyone's gone evil. I'm going to go right off the cliff with them. But seriously, though, I mean, you, Dave, you brought up, um, you know, Goblin's Law. Uh, uh, Nazi Germany, right? Like, are you going to be the one person in a group of six PCs who's going to go to the light side? How do you plan on doing that? There's always one guy. There's always that one guy. Well, this is key. Inter- you know? Interpersonal relationships are very important to character motivation. And friendship is one of the ambitions on there for a reason. So what if you... I mean, seriously, what if all your friends are Imperials? Okay? I mean, having that social support network there to justify your actions is the reason for a lot of people doing really bad things in the real world. Okay. Get that echo chamber going, right? Oh yeah. That guy totally was coming at you. Um, <laughs> look, they were asking for it. We gave, look, we gave him a chance. They could have surrendered. So we, that's why we had to level city block. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's better that we, uh, you know, waste a couple of turbo laser blasts from orbit, uh, rather than waste good Imperial lives. Right. That block was already messed up. <laughs> okay, now the topic was also brought up in, in chat around, especially the code of the Sith. Um, another easy one, you know, and again, going back to the idea of if you're if you are playing especially a dark sider, an actual force wielding character, and this is one of those things that you actually truly believe in the righteousness of what you're doing, dude, one of the big uh and, and commonly used motivations out there for Jedi characters is religion or spirituality. Um you know, uh, th- those are two separate uh, ambitions that are out there. I mean, maybe you come from a place where the Sith are revered, okay? Maybe, or or, or, or even a, just another dark tradition, maybe you come from Dathomir, okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a Zabrik, and it's like, no, man, th- this is this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm honoring the way the natural world works, the way the galaxy is supposed to work. Um, again, from that point of view, it's totally justified. So there's sure. a thought. I, alt- I, I worship at the altar of the red lightsaber. <laughs> so, for lack of a better term, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Jedi was a religion, so was the Sith. Okay. And that's, you know, it's, it's all worshiping the Force just through a different way. Well, no, you're not doing it right. I am. Okay. So, uh, again, it's religion or spirituality. You know, you can devote yourself to the Force and just believe that this is the right path to do it by. And that could be a function of your experiences. It could be a function of how you were raised or the culture you come from. 
So that's at the very core of why Darth Vader was so <clears throat> misunderstood is because his kids were kidnapped by religious extremists that didn't agree with his own religion. Oh, that's it. You've solved the problem. If only he knew he had kids. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course, then I just I, then, I, then I just shot myself in my foot over the dad joke remark earlier. Because yeah, <laughs> can you can you legitimately make dad jokes if you don't know you're a dad? Um, no, maybe he doesn't know up here, but he knows in here, right? <laughs> he knows. He knows. It's just it's just yeah, a genetic change happens once you've once yeah, you've achieved you fatherhood. Yeah, exactly. you're, yeah you're, you're done. You're the midichlorians know. You can feel it for them. <laughs> Okay, so that's ambition. Um, there's a few other uh, interesting um, motivation uh, archetypes out there, motivation groupings out there. Um, what about an obvious one, guys? What about cause? Oh, pff. my yeah, cause he... is more righteous than your cause, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we really hammered this one uh, discussing imperial righteousness, right? And you remember Edge of the Empire, it, like it had the cause of straight up one of them is like support the rebellion, and I don't know if it's the one right below it, but it, there's also in black and white support the empire as one of the causes. It is, yep, 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 absolutely. <clears throat> oh well, so you've got uh, knowledge. You can, you can, I guess, make it somewhat perverse. I guess. I mean, that's a trope I'm sure we've all seen before, right? Is that you start yeah. to dig deeper and deeper into uh, knowledge that uh, is best left um, undiscovered, right? You yep. find a Sith holocron. And you can go full Ezra season three, right? Look, there's something yes. in here I'm that can help us, right? It's obviously going to help us. Absolutely. Now, there's two other ambition types uh that are very similar to what we've already discussed in terms of, excuse me, two other motivation types that are very similar in what we've already discussed in terms of ambition. Um, there's the relationship and connection uh, motivation types, which are very similar categories uh, from Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, respectively. They're about, you know, your place of origin, your family, your friends, your politics, um, you and your goals. That obviously makes sense in the context of what we've discussed. And then there is an, uh, a unique type that's also presented in uh, Force and Destiny called Faith. Um, which, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, as we've said, very similar to, to, uh, some of the ambition, uh, uh, options that are there, um, you know, specifically, uh, around religion or spirituality as an ambition, um, you know, faith can totally be a motivator for certain characters that kind of pushes them on this path. But I think one of the more interesting ones to talk about, um, is the ambition uh, excuse me, the motivation that is in uh, only in Age of Rebellion, the quest series of motivations. Huh. Uh, you know, I think these might be very tough to bring to heel for an evil character, but I think there's some creative ways you can do it. Yeah? I, th- I think Krennic definitely had a quest. You could kind of see that play out in, in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, uh, freaking Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Dude, que- gl- glory is one of the quests. I could see Krennic's motivation as a quest for glory. There you go. I mean, that's... We're on the edge of greatness. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was, the, he was misunderstood. He deserved the yeah, glory that went with, is, that, with, that, with that weapon. This is my achievement! I mean... <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's totally doable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then there's some bare bones ones that are obvious in quest, like riches, uh, vengeance. Um, but dude, and Phil, back to the earlier conversation we were having about about perception and ends justifying the means. One of the quest uh, motivations is rescue. And I'm sorry, man, you could totally argue that that was Anakin's motivation. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Totally. First, it was his mom. Check the people he loved. Yeah, it was his mom. Then it was his wife. And that can be easily perverted to a dark path. Easily. We saw it on the screen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think we see this all the time in a lot of works where there comes to be a point where maybe a very powerful hero or, or you know, a deuteragonist, like a, another character in the story, gets to the point where if they do this one action, they're on the bad guy side for good, right? Because realistically, what's going to happen once Anakin, you know, kills Maze Windu? Are you going to be like, oops, sorry, uh, here's, here's Palpatine, <laughs> Didn't mean right? to. <laughs> Didn't mean to, right? No, Can but, I no, but I mean, on that? This, this happens in real life, too, where, you know, once you've done such a despicable act, people feel that they can't. Yeah you know, they can't gain redemption or vengeance, so they may as well be the best criminal or villain they can be, right? Um, so just thinking about, like, those characters, uh, I'm a big anime fan, like Roy Mustang from, from The Alchemist, there's a part where he could go down a dark road, and once you cross a certain horizon, um, it's called a moral event horizon on TV shows for a reason, it's really hard to get back. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Mace Windu never really died, he was reborn anyway. At Snoke, right? Snoke, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> managed to grow his hands back too and if and if that was mace windu he's got really bad luck with lightsaber dismemberment yeah. he really does he really, yeah. anger. <laughs> so okay motivation is obviously probably one of the strongest ways you can flesh out mechanically building a a dark side or or imperial pc uh, a bad guy pc an evil pc um, and it's something that can inform really everything else. But guys, we got to talk about the big three as well, do we not? Nah, we can leave morality out of the equation entirely. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. Let's start with with. Uh, let's start with an easy one. Start with obligation. Phil, do do you see a way? I mean, considering you, I mean, uh, or, or you you do actually, Phil, you pick of the three when it comes to obligation, duty, and morality. Which of those three can you see easily, most easily being used to put a character into a an evil taint? Obligation, probably. Okay. Obligation can easily be used to twist a character or guide them to a dark path. It's it's kind of inherent and built in there, and, and uh, you know it's one of the reasons why when I did the Fallout hack for for Edge of the for Edge of the Empire, I used Edge of the Empire and I used Obligation. Because, you know, duty is, is kind of, duty is like supporting the cause. Morality is just, you know, already inherently built in that there's a way to force people to go evil. But a lot of people do really nasty and, and, and morally corrupt and bankrupt things because they have to. They get, they get pushed into a corner, they have no other way out, and they follow through. Uh, betrayal. Betrayal can taint a character heavily. You look at duty bound or family or favor or oath, <clears throat> they can all represent obligations to the empire that burdens the character. Uh-huh. My favorite is addiction, man. I had that Wookiee that got addicted. Uh-huh. It's the dark side, yeah. It was, you know, and, and the, 
the obligations, that's that's predominantly what got used in my Renegades game. One of my PCs, their obligation is is family. Their dad is um, has a has a very very difficult and rare to treat and hard to treat disease. So he is a pirate because he needed money to pay for his dad's treatments. <clears throat> so you know, just like that. yeah. You look at uh, Betrayal, for example. I was just flipping through um, Thrawn, uh, the the newish book, and. Uh, goes into Arinda Price, Governor Price's background, and uh, she was actually like a pretty sweet girl until Betrayal tainted her and it set her off on this entire path. Oh, yeah. She, that, yeah, if you read the book, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where it, it's, it's, it's basically um, constant betrayals throughout. Each step gets her more jaded and jaded and jaded until she does the really bad thing in the book, which if you haven't read it, I won't spoil, but <laughs> it's, it's bad, right? And there's no coming back from that, in my opinion, basically, right? But every step along the way, you know, she could have maybe gotten off the path, but it was just one knock after another. Right. So I agree. I think obligation is one of the easiest ways to do this. And talk to me about duty. I mean, because duty, duty actually seems probably the easiest way to represent this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, they're they're literally imperial soldiers. Imperial soldiers. They're doing what they were told to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Every duty is in the book. And apply it to fighting against the rebels or enemies of the empire or whatever it is, whether it be pirates or rebels or general aliens that they don't like. I mean, you're there. You've got it. That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, uh, Keith uh, is posting in the chat there. He said, um, yeah, like, like Biggs and Luke and all those, all his boys want to join the Imperial Academy and join up, get a, a you know quality flight training, right? Well, once you're done the Imperial Academy, like you are assigned to a TIE fighter squadron. And yeah, maybe you're starting to shoot down pirates at first, but uh, it kind of goes a little, a little further down the trace after that, right? One day you're shooting pirates, maybe the next day uh, you know you're you're taking out an unarmed transport to cover up the evidence, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and, and that, that's that's the slippery slope. That's how it is. But yeah, I think duty is very easy to represent. Um, and you're and rewarded mechanically for it too, right? Yeah. You shot down that transport. Look, I know it was a tough call. Um, it, it was really rough. Uh, here's your medal of uh, valor, right? And we're gonna have a parade. And by the way, uh, pick an upgraded uh, tie out. We're gonna sign it permanently to you, right? So you have in, uh, in character and metagame reinforcement for them as well for for doing their duty to do evil acts. Hey, Huli, cheers, man. I know you've got to depart the chat. Oh, is Huli t- is Huli taking off? It's got to be late in Australia. Cheers, well, yeah, cheers, Huli. Like, it's like getting to be noon, I think, over there close by. <clears throat> so, all right. Lastly, we come to morality for the big three. And, you know, for Force and Destiny characters, morality is perhaps the simplest thing to use for your evil evil PCs, but it's also the trickiest to implement. And I really want to talk about why. Like, morality is is about a positive and a negative aspect of, of, of one's personality. I mean, even your standard, quote-unquote, good guy PC. Um, you know, a war between often complementary aspects where good-hearted Jedi have to struggle against the weakness of their character. And honestly, for for a uh, for an evil campaign, I think this formula still works. Um, I mean, even, even evil characters have a positive emotional strength and a negative emotional weakness, yes? Yeah, that's right. Um, I talked about a couple of uh, big-name evil characters uh, from the Star Wars universe at the top of the show. If you look at, say, Vader, I mean, his weakness, let's say it's anger... 
Well, then he's also uh, brave, right? He courageously leads uh, Imperial soldiers. People look up to the fact he's unlike a bunch of admirals. He's there, lightsaber in hand. Uh, Tarkin, he's cruel, but he believes in justice and order. Mm-hmm. Dooku's greedy, but he has an ambitious vision of a of um, you know, outwardly anyways, he's talking about how he's going to reform a more free uh, CIS, right? We'll have none of the problems of the, uh, the Republic. And Thrawn, sorry guys, again, he's a villain. Uh, he <laughs> may be extremely cold, right? Because, you know, he doesn't laugh and murder people, but he'll kill people if he needs to. But the the benefit is that he's independent and you can leave him to a task and he'll get it done, right? That's why he's risen, you know, through the ranks to Grand Admiral in record pace. Yep. Yeah, you're spot on. Um... Yeah, I mean, I mean, and so I, I think the key difference here, though, for those characters and even PCs who are doing this is that for Force-using characters who are going to have these moralities, the weakness is something that they eagerly give in to. It's not necessarily something they fight, okay? Um, and that, that's kind of the real differentiator. And if you're playing a evil PC who uses the morality mechanic, you got to think about it in that sense. You're not so much fighting against your, your weakness you're fighting in, in in many ways against your strength a lot of the time um, if you're going that path. But at the same time, Chris, the way you presented it, I mean, Vader may champion his bravery. Tarkin may champion his justice. You know what I mean? Right. But it's a, per, it's a perverted version of it, right? Yes. So, so why don't you just flip the mechanic on its ear and you get penalized if you go too righteous, if you will. I don't know. Well, okay, now, so that, that actually leads into the next point. I don't think we need to do that because the conflict uh, mechanics that are in place for morality right now um, actually work brilliantly for dark characters, and they were designed to do that. Um, not something to avoid, but something to embrace. So, you know, if you, if you work towards those darker aspects, you will be rewarded by going further dark, and you'll get the dark side benefits of being a, a dark sider that come with that in terms of, of eventually increased wound threshold. Okay. Um, uh, now, the thing is, though, dark side force users um, can eagerly seek out chances to earn conflict. It's not that hard. And continually ensure they are dark siders. Therefore, for game balance purposes, I do think we have to diverge slightly from the normal rules. Um, and we actually do have some suggestions for you listeners that we're going to come to. Um, so there is that. Um, Phil, I know we're, we're crunching up on your, your witching hour, man. It's very late where you are. Do you need to take, do you need to take your leave of us? I sadly, I must take my leave. Okay. Well, have we done anything to convince you or, or, or maybe encourage you to potentially run a dark side game? I, I got to admit there, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the desires there, the, the curiosity about how it could work out. uh, We'll see. We'll see. Maybe my first step is an evil module or something. Well, honestly, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll be able to listen to this podcast yourself after it's published. But but when there is one final option for an evil game, which may intrigue you even more, which is the possibility of redemption. I know that's something we're going to come to, but I'll listen in. All right. Well, good night, Phil. We love you. Good night, Chris. Good night, Dave. And Chris, thanks for joining us tonight, man. It's always fun to game with you, even if yeah, it's so on. Uh... All, right, right, be uh, you. All right. I'll be out of with you. Absolutely. All right, Cameron May the dice be with you. Thank you, guys. CB Rich, 1998. Thanks for the follow, man. It's awesome. Ooh, new follower on Twitch.
So, okay, we've talked about mechanically how to uh, represent things appropriately through the use of motivation, through the use of obligation, duty, and morality for your evil characters. What I would really like to focus on uh, then is is actually balancing an evil game. Because I mentioned this just a moment ago that I do think there are a couple suggestions that we really want to kind of encourage you to if you're going to do this, just to make sure your game is balanced. Because there is the possibility with an evil game, I think less so here than in other systems <laughs> that have come before it, but there is the possibility of of some imbalance. Because... So much of the mechanics of the FFG Star Wars system are predicated on the PCs being the quote-unquote good guys. Right. Um, and I don't think, to a large extent, I don't think evil PCs is going to put too much of a strain on the game, but there's a couple things that we probably should call out. Um, I mean, duty and obligation, and, and really, it, I think, it, guys, it comes down to morality, yes? Because duty and obligation, they work, yeah. they work wonderfully in this kind of campaign setting as we talked to. Yeah, but we already talked through those. We already I talked mean, through duty's those. almost tailor-made for it. It is, it is. But when it comes to morality in terms of balancing an easy game, what's the problem <laughs> that we could face with an evil party? Murder I mean, I hobos. Could... <laughs> yeah, for sure, murder hobos. Um, the other thing, too, is actually I've got a character who, if you kept... Because you don't stop, you don't keep counting once you hit the bottom. Yeah. If he kept counting, uh, Will Turner's assist sorcerer character would have negative 1,000 a conflict basically a morality um because he uses a harm like a blaster pistol right um so yeah maybe need to have a look at the uh, the mechanics maybe look at some ways to slow that down a little bit yeah oh is that darren hampton with the follow hey how about hey, that hey darren hampton oh darren we're getting twitch followers like mad but yeah you you put it in a good way it's i mean acting like and this is the thing when you say, okay, we're going to be dark, and the threat of conflict is not looming, what's to stop them from acting like a murder hobo? And, you know, because the bottom line is, if you play rules as written, simply being a murder hobo for an entire session should sufficiently plummet um, you to becoming a dark side force user. Okay? I mean, it just, it, there's no way around it. But the morality mechanics were designed and developed in a mindset where that is something that is is not natural for the PCs, therefore it would be a temptation, and therefore it, it, it's a fall that would occur, and they would reach that desolate plateau much more slowly, okay? So, honestly, the benefit for being a Darksider is not that great. I mean, you get a boost to your wound threshold, but you take penalties to strain, and you suffer a uh, uh, actually a, a destiny point penalty, which sucks. So you as a GM may have no problem with a rapid descent into darkness. You really may have no problem with it. But if you're not comfortable with your PCs getting there that fast, you can easily hobble the mechanics a little bit to make that journey there more lengthy um and you know chris you 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 asked for it my number one recommendation is that as a gm you only provide conflict when the dark choice made is a meaningful one and that you you set that expectations with your pcs as a part of session zero it's like look yeah you guys are playing bastards therefore if you really want to delve into being a true darksider you have to make meaningful, mm -hmm. meaningful decisions for the dark side, not just 
slaughter an entire cantina with a lightsaber because okay that's yeah that that's not, that's not enough and yeah if we were playing a normal game that would instantly turn you into a full dark sider and your morality would most likely be at zero at the end of the session as you dealt with that but we're not going to run it this way this time it needs to be meaningful through story action um you know i mean go ahead i was saying uh, vader going through the murder hallway in rogue one um that yeah so that's pretty despicable action in terms of moving people down they don't pose no threat at all right but that's not a meaningful drop for him no. right he's already well beyond the fact that uh cutting down people who, have, who are realistically no threat to him would have any kind of impact yeah meaningful impact is vader cutting off his son's hand okay yes that's totally different that's that's meaningful impact meaningful impact is when you're wa- when he's watching his son getting electrocuted to death um he he did he 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 didn't follow that path. But if he waited and just let Palpatine kill his kid, yeah, that's a meaningful act of conflict earning. Um, you know, and and you know, presented with a helpless foe begging for their lives, especially when their survival could be a benefit to the Empire or to you, and you still make the merciless choice. Um, you know, that's conflict worthy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So. That is the one adjustment that I would recommend personally you consider if you've got morality using PCs in an evil campaign. Um, Just come at how you award conflict with a slightly different mindset. And again, from session zero, set that expectation with your PCs. Because the same way you have PCs who will get angry with you if you don't set the expectation if they're playing Jedi and you give them conflict when they weren't expecting it, you're going to have, if you set the expectation that we're playing Darksiders, and then they expect to just be able to go slaughtering people willy-nilly and easily get to the bottom <laughs> yeah. of the threshold, and you don't do that, they're going to be equally upset. So again, as always, guys, as a GM, set the expectation appropriately. Um, okay, I think that brings us to one of our last major points of discussion, which is giving your player a chance to change sides. And we, we kind of hinted about this a moment ago when we were talking with Phil... But talk to me about this, guys. So uh, we're going to have an FN2187 situation in our group, right? Potentially. I mean, that's that's really, you know, I think you really should discuss it amongst the group before, you know, before the, before you get started, really. Is, 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 as a group, are you okay and are you willing to allow someone to try and pull their character out of the darkness, right? And what, okay, so put the question out there. And what if the answer is no? Is that okay? I, I think it's fine. I think mm-hmm. if it's a group dynamic and the answer is no, then the answer is no, and that's perfectly fine. If the answer is yes, however, or let's just take it as it comes, I think that is going to be much more difficult for a GM to deal with. In my opinion. Well, and, I, uh, yeah, but rewardingly uh, so. Absolutely. I was just going to say that I think it's really important to have people on the same page for this because you got to think, what? so what if the answer is um, three three no's and two yeses, right? Well, what does that mean for the, the game if certain people are choosing to try and redeem themselves and certain characters are staying the course, right? That could right. be a very interesting, you know, kind of Battlefront 2-esque situation where you got Hask and... Uh, going one way and I didn't go another, right? But that might not be a comfortable situation for your players. So you got to know 
kind of oh, if everyone's yeah. everyone's kind of going that direction no one's kind of going that direction or if it's like well maybe some will go one way some will go another and that might be the kind of the end point of the of the game but you gotta make sure people are on board with that i mean this could cause serious strain within the party i mean and this goes way beyond when my wookie killed Krista's droid i mean this goes to the very root of some of the way these that that your 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 players are going to role play their character so i mean be prepared for that well, and this is why setting that expectation is so important. Um, you know, uh, one, of, one of my more memorable dark side, quote unquote, games that I ever, I, I didn't actually run it. I played in it. It was back in the Saga Edition days. And uh, our Dave, you know our buddy Tenny. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we introduced Tenny to role playing through Saga Edition, Star Wars, because he was a Star Wars junkie, never role played before. He fell in love with it and decided he wanted to run his own game. And he was a little tre- he was a little trepidatious, and so he only ran it for like three people, three PCs. It was it was literally me, Brev, and Jake Batten. Okay, and uh, we we did it for a, we did it honestly probably I think we probably had about six or eight sessions total. But he 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 set it up for us. He he was like, listen, I want to run a darker game. I want you all to be clone troopers that are working for you know the Republic, but you know you're this this cleanup squad right and again appropriate expectations because the thing is five sessions in we had and the, the whole time we had a we, we were just these three spec ops guys we had a jedi general who we reported to okay oh, and, oh yeah i've heard the story go on yeah and he, he was you've heard this but he was he was he was an npc he didn't adventure with us tenny used him properly as a good npc and and he, he structured them really well. And like, dude, I swear, like five, six sessions in, um, we're in the middle of this incredibly tense firefight and it ends and we kill the bad guy and our Jedi Master General shows up to to mop up and he's like, great job, guys. And then all of a sudden we all get this, you know, uh, you know, bleep on our communicators and it's the Emperor saying, you know, execute order 66. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, and, you know, what, what Tenny, and again, gap of communication, gap of expectation. What Tenny had wanted to have happen is he wanted us all to have been changed by our experiences and to really grow our characters and, and, and leave the programming behind or fight against it. But we didn't even discuss it. The three of us, the three players just looked at each other. We all raised an eyebrow. And it was Jake who's like, I walk up behind him, pull my blaster pistol, and shoot him in the back of the head, and I'm going to spend the destiny point. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in the old system, was an insta-hit, right? Yeah. And, and, and Tenny, the look of shock and dismay on his face, and he looked to me and Brev, and we're like, yep, we're pulling our weapons, we're shooting, the, we're shooting this dude down. The Emperor said he's evil, we got to kill him. And, right. you know, again, that lack of expectations. And if, you know, if Tenny had said, you know, this is a story of redemption, this is kind of what I'm going for, that whole situation could have been avoided. We enjoyed it. We had a ball, but the GM was not happy. <laughs> he oh, was not, he was not a happy camper. He rage quit the session very nicely, and then literally it was weeks before we came back together as he tried to figure out what to do with the no doubt pages of our unused story campaign that he had. Oh no! So I mean, <laughs> yeah, but that's where it comes down to expectations. But but in defense of uh, this and and aiming at uh, Phil, who hopefully is listening now, right? If you thought that might be an opportunity, think of the interesting, like, I'm sure you guys discussed this, right? The three clone troopers, uh, why you did it, that kind of stuff, right? And you got into the mindset of, no, no, these guys are completely indoctrinated. There's no choice, right? You might feel a certain way about it after the fact, right? But when it comes down to it, Order 66 came down and you're programmed to obey. Pretty much. 
Um, now, when a character wants to get redeemed from a rule standpoint, the rules is now if you're if you're an actual, I mean, like, listen, if you're an imperial character, a non-force user, it's a role-playing decision at that point. Bing, bam, boom. If you're a force user and you're dark, it's a lot more complicated than that. Right. Um, you, you have a long way to go to redeem yourself in the eyes of the force, but those rules are still there. They're in the core rule books and they're laid out. Okay, with examples aplenty. Um, you know, but GMs should be presenting an evil group with the chance, I think, to at least see things from the other side. And this goes back to Phil's point. Why should I do this? And why should I inundate myself with this? Even if your group makes the decision no, the fun in this campaign is exploring those options and pairing them off against each other. Um, so, yeah. Um, that, that's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, I think, I think of Agent Callus in Rebels, yeah? Absolutely. Callus. Well, there's a guy who's, he's a real punch clock villain, uh, as TV Trump would say, right? Where yeah. he's been brought up in the Empire, he's had some real bad experiences, uh, with rebel terrorists, like Lassat mercenaries, that kind of stuff, and, uh, he starts to see the other side, and says, oh, wow, um... Like I didn't think he could have this, right? There's a there's an episode where it's through his own eyes, and he's got, like he's shaven or whatever, right? And he realizes, okay, he's seen the friendship the rebels have, and he sees that basically no one gives a shit about him in the Empire. He just another clog. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I, I um, yeah. And so on the reverse side, I think it's also important too that you can even do it the other way, which is where you paint a picture of everything being fine and dandy, and slowly as PCs kind of go up the uh, the ranks. Um, they get more trust and they get to see the ramifications. Okay, well, you've done quite a few missions for us now, Stormtrooper Squad. We're going to go ahead and promote you all. And uh, we now are going to send you out into these high-tier missions, which are where all the bad things happen, right? Yeah. And then they got to realize, oh, man, right? Have I been on the wrong side this whole time? And those opportunities are, are what can really make a game like this shine. Um, I mean... Even if your PCs decide not to go, it, it it's it's the mere fact of, of what tempting them with the light, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. To just throw an example out there, I know that we need to kind of get uh, bashing on here, but I had a, a Inquisitor PC in Saga, and there used to be that power drain knowledge, right, where you literally rip knowledge out of someone's mind, and it's obviously dark side power, right? Yeah. So I actually narrated the effects of that, and I won't go into that here, right? But, I mean, you, the poor interrogatee would be lying on the floor, mind shattered, because you basically ripped the information out, right? And then, you know, the player was mortified, he'd never done this before, and then I went to my best sort of flat voice and said, so anyways, here's what you find out, uh, what would you like to do? <laughs> oh. So, like, the poor character is, like, insane, grasping at the hair, crying, and that kind of stuff, and I said, oh, but, by the way, you know, here's where the base is, yada yada, what's your attack plan, right? Uh, and that character ended up switching. To the light side. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! Very cool though. That's really cool. I'm sorry. That's that's really awesome, <laughs> dude. Wow. Very very cool. All right. Shout out tact tactful cactus photo. That's a pretty interesting name. Man, we're getting Twitch subscribers like mad during this episode. It's very cool. Mad. Like mad. Mad. Like mad. Like mad. <clears throat> Well, guys, I think that about wraps up our discussion here in terms of, of, of running a dark side game. 
you know, what it comes down to, to recap what we've said, it's about getting appropriate buy-in from your players, making sure that you're on the same page about what the GM and the players want out of the game and what options are available to them. And then from a role-playing standpoint, making sure that you get your character in the appropriate mindset, depending on whether they're a force wielder or whether they're not, and how you can do that through motivation or obligation or duty or morality and really how those things come into play. Um, and, and ultimately... Even if they don't make the choice, we recommend you give your players the chance in this kind of game to change sides. It is intriguing role-playing, and it really, for me, is the ultimate reason we didn't talk about to why you would want to run a game like this. To explore those unusual moral conflicts, and it really creates some just dynamite <clears throat> role-playing opportunities, to, to put it simply. Yep. So go forth and conquer. Go forth and conquer. Chris, this has been a phenomenal uh, topic suggestion and a really enjoyable conversation. Thank you. Pleasure to discuss it. Hope oh, we've man. corrupted Phil. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, I yeah. mean, brought him we'll on to out. the true way of seeing things. Well, uh, you know, that... Mm, I don't know. Phil's, Phil's a hard guy to corrupt. <laughs> We'll find but out in a mere eight months. We, we we shall see. But speaking of corruption, I think it's time, long overdue, for this. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Mm. All right, guys, welcome back to Messages from the Edge. This is the segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about this glorious system. So some of you may be asking how you can get questions to us. Well, okay, easy. Go to Facebook. Facebook page for the Order 66 podcast. You can post You can post your question right there. You can go to our forums on d20radio.com slash forums. We've got a messages from the Ed thread that's right there for you. And, of course, you can email your question to us, GM Chris, GM Phil, GM Dave, all at d20radio.com. Or, if you're brave, you can join the Warrior Elite by calling the D20 Radio hotline, 262-D20-RADIO, 7234. Yes. Huzzah. So, Huzzah. Mr. Hunt, sir, uh, do you think you can step into Phil's shoes and maybe help us answer Uh-oh. some of these questions tonight? Sure could. All right. Well, let's start with our first question um, tonight. Um, and maybe 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 we'll, we'll we'll give you time to prepare, do some breathing exercises, maybe maybe let Dave take this one. But um our first question tonight is is from the wild weblands of Facebook from Joey Frado, uh, who asks the following. He says, I was reading through the Conjure Force power in Unlimited Power, and I noticed that the text for mastery differed from text tree. The tree indicates a reanimated corpse lasts until the end of the encounter instead, but the user gains seven conflict for doing so. However, the text says that reanimating a corpse gives the user seven conflict and that it ceases to be animated at the end of the force user's next turn. It seems pretty clear that this that it is the actual reanimating of the corpse that gives you seven conflict. However, the tree makes it sound like it's part of ex- uh, that it is part of extending the life of the corpse, i.e. you gain seven conflict for extending the life of the corpse 
um, you know, un until the end of the next turn or until the end of the encounter. Um, so the text says that it stops being alive at the end of your next turn. It makes sense there would be an additional penalty for extending its life. Um, but the text doesn't mention that. Or is there an additional price to make it last till the end of the encounter? Or is this just a case of just the, the tree and text being wrong? Dang those dangling participles. <laughs> All right, so what is Joey talking about here? Basically, for those that are following along, the conjure power, uh, most notably seen uh, in canon by uh, Night Sisters of Dathomir, by the way. It's on page 40 of Unlimited Power. That's the mystic source book. Uh, Joey lays out the confusion pretty clearly. The basic conjure power lets you manifest a spectral object or a weapon in close proximity that lasts until the end of your next turn. The mastery upgrade of the power lets you actually summon a facsimile of a minion NPC to fight for you and do your bidding, but for a cost of seven conflict. You can instead reanimate a nearby corse, corpse that retains all the abilities it had in life and doesn't need to be a minion. Okay. The confusion between the text of the tree and the text of the detailed upgrade being divergent is not terribly uncommon, right? We will certainly ask about this when we have developers on to discuss unlimited power. But historically, the full text description has almost always trumped the tree description, which, which you know, often has remnants of older beta versions in it. In fact, the official response from FFG is that text always trumps the table unless they say otherwise. So I'd go with the text. Your animated corpse only lasts until the end of your next turn, and you still gain the seven conflict. The reason for this is that it's it's much more balanced. If, if you want the <laughs> reanimated corpse to last longer, well, then that's what duration upgrades are for, right? I mean, seriously. Yeah, pretty much. So if you're reanimating Vader to fight for you, got to get some more <laughs> upgrades, my man. If you... <laughs> Fantastic. That's funny. Um, all right. So, hey, we've got another question that came from Cedric. Uh, who asked us this? Um, would using the Shistavanan's hunter instincts, using survival for in place of uh, uh, cool vigilance, work with rapid reactions? Uh, it says it affects cool vigilance initiative checks. Would this still be activated if using survival? Wow, super cheese, or is it? Ah, uh, I, so, I, I smell Limburger. So what Cedric's referring to is, first and foremost, the Rapid Reaction talent. It's one of my favorites. Available in all three core rulebooks, Rapid Reaction is a rank talent, lets you suffer strain, up to one uh, strain for each rank of the talent that you have when you're making an initiative check. Then you add auto-success to that initiative check result equal to the strain suffered. So two strain for two ranks is uh, two success. It's a great talent. But Cedric's question has to do with the wording of the talent. It specifically says any vigilance or cool check to determine initiative order. Now, uh, the Shistavanan, our favorite space werewolves found on page 24 of Forged <laughs> in Battle, uh, the soldier social have a special ability called Hunter's Instincts, which says that when a Shistavanan is making a check for initiative, they can go ahead and make a survival check instead of a vigilance check or a cool check. Wow. So I think you can see where this is going. Can a Shistavanan who has the ability to use survival in place of vigilance or cool for initiative, use rapid reaction on that survival check because the text of rapid reaction specifically calls out vigilance and cool. 
Now, there's no hard dev ruling on this, Cedric, but frankly, I think we got to look at the intent. Mm-hmm. When Rapid Reaction was first written, the devs had no idea there would, uh, several years later, be a species of wolfmen uh, with this ability. Uh, when you consider that, I think I'd be pretty lenient and let the Rapid Reaction apply in this case. Uh, the Shift of Adam are kind of underpowered anyways, when you consider they only get 80 starting XP. So for that reason, I would completely let this fly, especially since I think uh, the clear intent of Rapid Reaction is specifically sacrifice strain, boost your initiative, regardless of what kind of initiative check or skill check you're on. I, I, I don't really smell any Gs here. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I agree. I agree totally. I, I've, and I, I also agree that the Shistavanen are underpowered for the starting XP they get. Um, they're cool, yeah. but yeah, no, <laughs> no. And what? Always err on the side of the player, right? Mm-hmm. And they're already spending sure. strain anyways, right? I mean... Yes, this is very true. It's very true. Not like free, right? Yeah. And I mean, the wolf wolf look is worth 10 XP, I guess, right? But anyways, you guys have the questions. <laughs> yeah, you get to look cool. Our last question tonight uh, comes from listener2080, who writes, uh, a player of mine asked me if he could play a gambler who cheats using the force. I told him it would probably be okay, but I have to book dive to see how this would actually work and would definitely earn conflict. I can hear Palpatine's laugh already. <laughs> he told me he would be fine with that. It sounded like a fun and plausible concept to me. So I started reading the gambling rules in Sabacc from Sons of Fortune and Hintaro from Fly Casual and went through the force powers to see what could be used for a gambler. I can easily see a force-sensitive character using the move power, just like Qui-Gon Jinn did, to manipulate the dice for Hintaro game and for Sabacc. I would expect the character could use sense to get a better idea of what the opponents are planning, influence to make opponents think their hand is better or worse than it really is, misdirect to hide or swap cards, and last, but probably best, Farsight with a mastery upgrade to see what cards the opponents are holding. <laughs> Maybe broke's a joke. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know how to incorporate this mechanically without breaking the game or making this into an instant money generator. Could you advise me on how to run something like this? <laughs> hmm. Isn't that conflict every time they do something like that? Uh, well, but may, may, depending on the... Maybe, probably, well, yes. Yeah. So this is a really intriguing concept. Um, I've got some good suggestions for this. I, I think the, the trope of a good gambler being secretly force sensitive, and that's the reason they're such a good gambler, is actually pretty well established more than once in Star Wars Legends lore, yeah? Um, th- there's a couple minor characters that have been presented, especially in the comics, where they can do that, and that's kind of their secret, you know what I mean? Um, and, and you know, he even mentions, you know, 28 even mentions the the film canon example of Qui-Gon using the Force to manipulate the chance cube roll. Um, I think there's several answers to your question, 2080, and several potential ways in which it could be done. Um, not only with different Force powers, but different applications of those powers using the rules as written. But I also think there is a superb house rule that you could add, which we will talk about. So first, let's talk Force powers. An easy way to do what he's wanting to do with the right amount of risk is just with varied force powers, okay? And you mentioned several key ones, so I kind of want to go through them. Uh, The first being move. Move seems like an obvious choice. We see Qui-Gon do it. But this type of, uh, I don't know, brute force, elegant though it may be, force manipulation, because it really is kind of a brute force force manipulation, it, it really should rarely apply to the situation, okay? Maybe a single chance cube roll or Hintaro. Maybe even sneaking a card from the top of the deck and floating it under the table, right? Um, you know, for, for a Sabacc game or something like that. Um, so, bottom line, though, Raw, Rules as Written, actually covers this brilliantly. You can just do it uh, using the rules as written. Um, and, you know, you, you probably need the appropriate upgrades to do fine manipulation. 
But the thing is, I just personally, as a GM, I would only let a character attempt this once during an encounter or a game because, honestly, it's so brute force. People are going to catch on eventually, okay? You know, you're, you're waving your hand and stuff, right? <laughs> um, waving your hand like some kind of Jedi? <laughs> um, and and w- with the fact that I would only let them do it once, um, I would probably give them an instant win on their check um, if the scenario warrants it. But I would totally like like so in other words, if they if they if they make the check successfully, then it, they would have the best outcome. But I would totally make that check an opposed check, likely opposed by vigilance or perception with some setback dice uh, to pull this off because you're literally using the force to move something and somebody can see that happening. OK, and that's the reason why. OK, now, one of the more intriguing ones he presents as a force power is the idea of farsight. Um, now, honestly, if somebody's willing to spend the amount of XP it takes to really get to the massive upgrades needed to do it raw with this power, let them do it. I mean, you could literally see what your opponent has in their hand. Um, and honestly, there's raw for this. So you can just follow it. Rules is written. Um, then we come to the more common and practical and interesting ones that really make sense to me. And that is sense, influence, and misdirect. And I kind of want to talk about them all together because I think how you can apply them really matters the same way. Um, whether it's sensing or influencing someone's emotional state, um, you know, making them fearful or being able to tell if they're bluffing or prideful, um, or just flat out misdirecting them, um, the results of either force power check should let you spend force points on the dice to add success and advantage to your roll. Um, the enhanced power gives you us a really good blueprint for this in terms of the core enhanced power, the basic power, which is just spend a force pip to add one success or one advantage, your choice to the results of the check. Now, since that option is not a part of any three of these core powers, what I would do is I would create a special upgrade, probably about a 10 XP cost upgrade for each of those three powers that would let you do this specifically when you were gambling. Okay. At that point, you've got a, a cost in place where they've got to work up to it. Um, and at that point, you can just handle it through raw. But with all these power things, and Dave, this goes back to your point, we have the dark side. <laughs> I And I'm interested to get y'all's thoughts on this because I personally, as a GM, would almost always enforce the use of dark side pips, not light side pips, in order to activate powers in this way because it's just not honest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. You have an example too with um, uh, influence. You got to use dark side pips to do bad emotions, right? So exactly it's the same. Exactly. I mean, you I mean there there are some exceptions. If you were doing this for a very altruistic reason, that might let me allow you to use light side pips. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Qui Gon is the prime example of that, right? Um, there was nothing malicious about what he did with Watto. He was literally freeing a slave. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not getting paid. Yeah, what else not yeah, getting what else not getting paid? Oh well. I mean that's 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 really that's really what it comes down to. Um so you know, and, and then again, if you're using dark side pips per the rules as written, you will earn conflict for using those pips. You thus will earn conflict for doing this. And I think that's very thematic and very fitting. Yeah. Um, so that's my suggestion using the force powers in the book. I think there's a, if that's going to get too complicated for you and you just want to have a generic way for your PC to do this, especially if they're not wanting to be a money machine or a professional gambler. Um, I have another house rule that I have used, um, myself in a prior game, um, that I can, I can offer to you as something that I have found to be reasonably balanced. 
Um, what I did is I actually made this a new talent. Um, and I, I made it worth 10 XP. You could probably make it worth 15 XP or 10 XP and still be safe. And I made the talent available to any of the universal force trees. So like force sensitive emergent, force sensitive exile. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those trees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what it do is basically this talent lets you do the previously mentioned thing I said for sense and misdirect, um, uh, and influence, uh, where, you know, you just roll your force dice uh, as a part of the gambling check and you can spend dark side pips to add a, a success or an advantage to the role your choice. Um, but I limited it to a once in encounter ability. Um, and, and when I first did it, we didn't have this in place yet because force and destiny wasn't released. But now if I were doing this talent, I would obviously make it a force using talent with that descriptor. And more importantly, I would give it the conflict cost descriptor. You guys are familiar with that from the new force and destiny stuff. Like it's a, mm. it, it's a, it's a conflict cost talent. Merely it's dark, merely knowing it earns you a conflict each session. Right. Um, because it's really dark sidey. Um, and if you don't want to do a talent, you could probably just do a brand new rule if that's too restrictive for you um, and, and just let them do this uh, without having the talent. But if you do, make it cost a destiny point and I would still limit it to dark side pips only unless the cause is really just. Right. So. Makes sense, man. Sounds good. Those are my suggestions. As they are. Duh. Duh. All right, Gamer Nation. It is time to say goodbye. Um, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a truly uh, a wonderful show and a great discussion. I'm very glad that we got through it today. And, and thank you for supporting us and being the amazing community member that you are. Thank you for all your incredible work with D20 Radio, uh, being a staff writer, um, being such a pillar of our community. And and dude, we, we love you, man. Well, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, take part of this and have a good chat about uh, something we love, Star Wars Gaming. Damn Skippy. Damn Skippy. Yes. And speaking and of... We want, to, we want to say hi to all of your Canadian brethren, too. Yes. We miss you guys every day. Every single day. Hmm. Well, start your countdown, then, I guess. <laughs> start it. Gamer Nation Con 6. <sighs> Listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We want you to become a member of the Gamer Nation if you're not already. Um, head to d20radio.com. Go to the forums. Register. Post your mind. Follow us on Facebook. Give us a call. Leave us a liner. 262-D20-RADIO. 262-320-7234. Leave us a liner. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Or or call in your question. Um, We want to hear it. You can also, of course, email us uh, with show topic requests, liners, anything else that comes to your fancy. GM Chris, GM Phil, or GM Dave at D20RADIO.com. And with that, this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep those dice rolling. You've been listening to the Order 66 podcast brought to you by Ethan Kinsey, GM Scott, Jeremy Bensley, Bert Ingley, Joshua Taylor, and William Thiel. This podcast and related websites are not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games, 20th Century Fox, Walt Disney Corporation, or Lucasfilm Limited, and its content is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All original content is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and Gamer Nation LFC. 